All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast called In the Mind of Others. I want to say sorry for the delay. It's been a little crazy, and I'm sure everybody out there knows life can be a little crazy sometimes, and you got to set your priorities straight, find out what time you have for certain things, and that's really what happened here. But I'm finally uh, able to come back, start the podcast again, and I am very excited. I do want to say thank you to Travis Clark. He's actually done a introduction video for this podcast. So thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I want to say thank you to Paige Ziegler. She did my previous episode on what it's like being a nurse during COVID. To her and to all those who work in the medical field, thank you for the service to our country. And our country is forever indebted to you, especially uh, post-COVID. I also want to say thank you to my good friend, Brad McGilligan. Uh, without him, really, this Zoom episode wouldn't be possible because I don't know really anything about technology, and he's been a huge help. This next guest, uh, I am extremely excited to have. It's a great honor to have Mark Polymeropoulos, and I hope I got the name correct, right? That's right. It's perfect. Not wow. easy. Awesome. Good. Working Good. letters. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited to have him on. He's actually a retired CIA officer and one of the CIA's most decorated officers. So, Mark, I want to say thank you for coming on. And how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I've been super busy traveling around. I just got back from New York City. I actually was up there doing uh, some media stuff. And uh, I got to get up at 4 in the morning. I'll be on Morning Joe on MSNBC tomorrow at 6 a.m. Oh, wow. Um, And so I drove back from New York City. And then I got to go down to Miami next week. I'm a keynote uh, speaker at a, a law enforcement foundation. Oh, good. Uh, kind of their annual annual dinner where they raise money for for you know fallen first responders. So been That's super awesome. busy. I was in Philly last week. I can't even remember in Kensington, <laughs> the twenty fourth and twenty fifth yep. district, talking to the the cops there just about leadership. And so it's been a kind of a whirlwind. But I I'm back home in Virginia. I, I kind of I'll get to sleep in my bed tonight, so I'm happy. <laughs> good. I'm sure that's uh, it's very exciting to finally be home. Uh, as Mark had stated, he travels a lot. He speaks to a lot of uh, a lot of people about leadership. And he's a huge supporter of the police, especially Philadelphia police. I know you've spoken, like you said before. Um, So from one officer, I just want to say thank you uh, for your support um, and the work that you do. A lot of people have asked how I got you uh, on this podcast. Um, And I want to just say, I actually saw on Twitter that you had spoken, like I said before in our little uh, pre-talk, you spoke to the 18th district. And uh, I actually started following you on Twitter when I oh, seen God, that. I'm sorry. My Twitter feed yeah. is crazy. <laughs> no, I trust me. I enjoy it. Um, and about two months ago, I actually DM'd you and yeah. really just asked, hey, I have this little podcast. I'd love to have you on. Um, and you were gracious to reach back. And uh, I'm so thankful that you're here. Obviously. Sure, absolutely. Um, I learned some interesting facts uh, reading your book. And I'm going to talk about your book uh, a little further sure. down. Um, but one thing that was very interesting, you started uh, working in the CIA in the 90s. Um, yep. And you even learned Arabic and Spanish. Um, some people yep. struggled learning one language, let alone three. Um, and you actually graduated from Cornell University with your master's degree specializing in Algeria. Yep. That's, that's phenomenal. Um, is that, was the goal always to work for the CIA? Oh, what, what a great question, because I, you know, I love talking about that because everyone has kind of a life journey, a story mm-hmm. and getting to CIA is always, always interesting. But I, but I like telling people this because, you know, first of all, it's just the, the notion that anyone can do it. 
Um, right. You know, CIA is, you know, and especially on the operational side, certainly, you know, in a, in a, you know we consider ourselves very elite, right. similar to the special operations community. But but ultimately, these are regular folks who, who you know, ended up um, just in a unique job. Right. Um, but what I, what I, so I think, I think, you know, I, I ended up there. Um, uh, first of all, I was born in Greece. So I'm a yeah. Greek background. So we traveled a lot. You know, right. my, mom's, my mom was American. My dad's Greek. So I went back every summer. Yeah. Um, but then when I was 10 years old, uh, my dad went off to, he was a professor at Rutgers University and he went off on a sabbatical to Algeria. A wow. country I later did my master's degree on, but right. he went off on a sabbatical, meaning he was teaching at an Algerian university. So at, right. when I was 10, my mom put me on an airplane at JFK airport by myself. I mean, who does this? And I fly <laughs> all the way to, through Paris to Algiers. My father and I spend two, uh, spend uh, a month in okay. an old Volkswagen minibus driving 2000 miles to the Sahara desert. So right then I was like, I want wow. to be North Arabia. I want to, you know, do something crazy. And I said that really kind of started my love of the Middle East, the interest right. in it. I think yeah. I've read a lot of, you know, Tom Clancy spy novels, but it's, you know, it, it, you know, the CIA was recruiting, you yeah. know, just like IBM and Microsoft and Google. Well, not really Google, but back in, you know, in, in 1992 um, at yeah. Cornell at the recruitment center. And so I had an interview and off I, the only yeah. job I've ever had, which is, wow. Uh, which is you know, actually, well, well, you know, I just got, I just signed a contract with MSNBC. So they pay me now. Okay. So it's, that's okay. my second job. My first job was at CIA. Okay. Wow. That's, that's phenomenal. And now at, with MSNBC, I'm assuming you do like a lot of like uh, analysts type work. Yeah. Right. They okay. call it intelligence and national security analysts. So I've been on, you know, almost every day talking about, you know, Russia, Ukraine stuff. Um, yeah. That's, you know, but, but I try to have it from a kind of to a perspective from the intelligence right. community, but also from kind of the operator side rather okay. than, you know, policy or academic or think tank, you know, thinking big thoughts and strategy. I, I like talking about, okay, what would it be like for a member of, of the CIA or a member of, you know, uh, special forces to be on the ground with the Ukrainians right now? And what do you yeah. care about? And it's just a different perspective. It's almost like, you know, for, you know, what it's, what's it like to be a street cop in Philly looking <laughs> at Kensington every day versus, you know, uh, uh, you know, someone in the, in a, you know, the police commissioner you know, right. thinking big thoughts, huge difference. Yeah. Um, so I, I like I like coming in that giving that perspective kind of from the ground the ground yeah. floor. No, I and a lot of people appreciate it, especially you know hearing just kind of like the different varieties, like you had said, coming from different positions. I think that's huge. Um, what was your official job title while you were sure. in the CIA? I was an operations officer, uh, or you can also call it a case officer. But my job is you know so so just the the kind of the the thing you always got to correct people, you know. A CIA agent is not an American. You know, an agent is someone we recruit. It's a Russian, right. Iranian, um, you know, North Korean, uh, you know, official who's spying right. for us. Yeah. So I was an officer. Um, okay. A little different than law enforcement. We have an FBI agent, for example. That's a, that's an American. But so I was a CIA operations officer, and my job was to to handle agents, handle sources. Okay. Um, and it's a it's a process of you know recruiting them and handling them, and and that to me was you know one of the most you know and and you do that as a line case officer, a street case officer. And that was the most fun, most rewarding right. part of the job. It's really interesting because you have someone's life in your hands, someone who's agreed to betray their country and spy for us. So it was pretty, right. pretty extraordinary. And what is that like when you're working with somebody of another country and yeah. they're, they're willing to openly, I guess secretly, betray their country and work with right. you? What, what is that like? So, you know, and so it's, it's, I mean, it's almost like a romance. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a relationship you have. Again, you, this person, you know, is, is, is just trusting you with their life because the sanction in some of these places, you know, Russian or Chinese or Iranian is death. Yeah, and exactly. So you, you know, your tradecraft, you know, how you run your surveillance detection routes, it has to be perfect. Right. Um, and so they really rely on you. And I think it, it's a little different than law enforcement. I mean, you know, you know, so, so a CI, confidential informant in law enforcement, 
a snitch. Yes. Know, there's almost more of a derogatory term to that. Right. Um, right. Uh, and but but it's in, in CIA, it's it's very different. That this is the lifeblood of what we do. Yeah. Um, exactly. And so so you know so so you know a, a, a CIA or you know a snitch for you all would yeah. get you to let's say an arrest. Right. right. So. But 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 that but for us the the agent the source that's the end game because we're obtaining yeah. information that's it right and so and so you know that's our lifeblood and, and those relationships that we form are are absolutely critical and you you I mean you know and and many times these last you know not you know days months but even years right um, right and so uh, and and so you know you have a moral obligation to keep them safe yeah absolutely I think that's a probably a huge responsibility to bear yeah and it was I mean. That to me, you know, I always thought it was a psych 501 class. Yeah. Like a psychology 501, not like an introductory class. This was, right. you know, serious stuff, you know, and, and, you know, you get to, I mean, sometimes, so if you think about it, if someone decides to betray their country, yeah. if a Russian does, you know, they might trust their case officer more than they trust their wife. They might not tell their, their wife or, exactly. their, you know, their, or their husband. Um, right. And so pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. That's, that, that's phenomenal. Um, most people don't even really know about the history of the CIA. Uh, right. But can you just give me like a brief description of the CIA and what really the responsibilities are? So it was created uh, with the National Security Act of 1947. And, and again, the, the job is to provide policymakers with, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with analysis, but it's based on kind of all, you know, based on intelligence. So, yeah. so, you know, so the, the CIA does a, does a couple of things. Obviously, it's uh, if we collect what we call FI, you know, foreign, foreign intelligence, right. which is, again, information from spies. So again, so you know, if if the president is going off to a summit meeting with the Chinese um, president, you know, maybe we can you know penetrate the Chinese government and steal the talking points, the agenda for what the Chinese government's going to use. Right. So right. that would help. And yeah. then we also the other part of it is we do we conduct covert action, which is okay. when we are you know sometimes you know counterterrorism missions or um, you know sometimes influence operations against other other countries. And then there's the counterintelligence function as we're trying to you know of course stop other countries from spying uh, yeah. uh, against the U.S. And we do that in concert with, of course, the FBI with our law enforcement partners. Right. But, it, you know, it's, 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 you know, we always call it, you know, CIA is the, the, the nation's, you know, first line of defense. Yep. Absolutely. And then one other, one other key point, I also, I like saying it's an indispensable organization. So, you know, every country needs an intelligence organization. And one of the reasons I love coming talking to cops is, you know, it's, it's uh, the, the, you know, the police and, and, and the CIA, I, I find there's a lot of similarities, you know, your, your successes are no one talks about and your failures are thrown across every page on the planet. Exactly. Um, and so you have to have, so, so, you know, you have to, it takes a special kind of person to, to have that kind of, you know, kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, hard exterior to, to, to just be able to do those jobs where, you know, you might not get a pat on the head every day from the public, from anyone else, but you still do it because it's the right thing to do. And, you know, exactly. it's just like you can't defund the CIA, you certainly can't defund the police. You can always reform these institutions and you should. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but they're, in my view, both of them are indispensable. And that's why I think when I go and I talk to cops, they can, they can relate to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think the most important part that you said, the relationship between different agencies, I think is so important. Um, and when everybody's on the same page, America is really, is really at its best. Yeah. Um, gathering intelligence, like you said, is the main function of the CIA. I'm not sure you can answer this, but who was the highest value target that you ever had to gather intelligence on? Oh wow! I mean, so you know, everyone was involved in the kind of the hunt for Bin Laden. I I I, I wasn't involved in the in the final operation, but I think you know, and I was involved in this, the the hunt for Ayman Zawahiri, the Al Qaeda number two, um, right. running some unsuccessful operations on that. I think mm -hmm. I think the the you know the high value targets that that I had most success against were those in Iraq. 
when okay. I went in, uh, with, you know, in 2003, when the city was yeah. falling. Right. Um, and I was, you know, I was co, you know, I was, I was co-located or worked with you know, alongside uh, Naval Special Warfare, the Navy SEALs. Right. And if you remember, there was a deck of 55 cards. Mm-hmm. That was Saddam Hussein's regime. And so we were catching those high value targets. And then later on in Afghanistan, right. when I was a base chief, uh, 2011 to 2012, along the Pakistan-Afghanistan border, we were yeah. involved in, in kind of the find, fix, finish mission against, against high value targets. And Wow, you know, I can't say the names, but uh, but we were we were successful. Good, good, phenomenal. And how did it how did it make you feel when, after all this work that you had put in chasing these high value targets, when either they were called alive or were terminated? What? Yeah. That, I'm sure that sense of purpose um, was very thrilling. Well, I mean, yeah, just I mean, because you're saving American lives, so you know, you're saving American military lives or or lives of of you know innocent civilians, Americans or others too. Who yeah. Would be, you know, would be caught up in terrorist uh, uh, attacks, and so it. You know, there is there is certainly the counterterrorism mission to me was something that um, uh, I, I, you know, got a lot of satisfaction out of because, you know, there is a very, you know, there's an end game. There's a yeah. goal. And that's to, to um, you know, take terrorists off the battlefield in any fashion, whether you yeah. know, capture or kill missions. Exactly. Uh, with the U.S. military. And so so ultimately, you know, there's you know, you, you, you can't I mean, you wake up every morning with the kind of, you know, a, a jump in your step. I mean, you, you know, if you get bored doing that, you're in the wrong line of business. Oh yeah, that's I think that's for sure. Um, it's funny is most people after watching a bunch of Hollywood movies, okay, they think of the CIA as a bunch of assassins who just kill bad guys. Um, what does the average day of a CIA officer look like, and is it like how the movies portray? No, completely not. In fact, most of the days are boring. I mean, again, <laughs> it's the same thing as a cop. Yeah, you know, so it's it's days of a lot of boredom and sitting around, followed by some you know, some periods of intense excitement and sometimes terror. Right. Um, right. I mean, you know, so again, it's but it's you know, it's a lot of paperwork, it's a lot of writing. I mean, someone would say always say to me, you know, what's the, you know, you know, were you expert at at you know at marksmanship carrying a gun? I said, no, I'm an expert at typing. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I mean, so really, so it's because right. and, but but a, a typical day, you know, there's there's no such thing as a typical day, but but ultimately, you're, you're you know, you're you're, you're handling your sources. Yeah. Which means, you know, a lot of time in the street. Um, and then you're also trying to recruit new ones, which means, you know, what we call overturning rocks. I mean, okay. you're, you know, where do the Russians or the Chinese or the Iranian diplomats hang out in XYZ country? Right. Um, uh, but so, you know, so it's just but it's you know, it's it's uh, but it, but again, it's a lot. And, or, and then if you're involved in some, you know, sometimes we're involved in supporting other officers operations, which means we're doing, you know, counter surveillance for them, which is just, you know, hideously boring. <laughs> you know, sitting around for hours. You know, right. street corner or in a car. I mean, you got same things. Does that sound familiar? Oh yeah, uh, I get yeah. it. <laughs> so, but, you know, these are these are kind of mission critical things to do. So again, it's um, uh, yeah, but there was there was lots of time sitting around as well. So you know, a lot of boredom, a lot of travel, um, yeah. and then times of incredible excitement. And then you know, when you're off meeting an agent, when you've yeah. when you've done a surveillance detection route for several hours, knowing that you're clean, knowing that no one is following you, Right. And you make that final decision to, 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 to meet that agent, sometimes only for a couple seconds. Maybe you're doing what's called a brush pass, just exchanging right. something. You know, that, 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 to, that, those are times where there's that pucker factor. Oh, I'm um, sure. And so, <laughs> yeah, so, but, but still, you know, a great job, but certainly nothing like the movies. And there's yeah. no rogue CIA. We don't have assassins. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, you don't, you're not dressed in tuxedos. And, and, right. and you know, the biggest misnomer is, you know, you're, there's certainly not, you know, beautiful women at your beck and call. <laughs> or men, or whatever, for our female, or whatever. But there's, yeah. you know, the, 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 you know, the violence and the, uh, and the sex and all that just is, is not applicable in our, in, in the real world. So yeah, <laughs> for Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood, I guess exaggerates it a little bit. I'm sure you could say, right? Um, 
<clears throat> That's funny. When, when you were on a mission uh, far from home, did you ever think this job was worth it to be away from home? Oh, great question. And so, you know, the, the sacrifices on your family life are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you miss birthdays, you miss anniversaries. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I remember operations where, you know, sometimes you, you run, an op- run an operation um, uh, maybe to meet someone, and, you know, and, and the, some, some, the agent won't show for whatever right. reason. Um, weeks of preparation on it. So, yeah, so there's a lot of travel that, that you're kind of scratching your head and, you know, you kind of do the best you can, but it's it's hard to be away from home. I mean, I spent yeah. almost three years, you know, after 9-11 away. Wow. Um, it's a hell of a long time. Right. So, right. you know, you have to have a very strong family life if you can, you yeah. know, family members who understand. Yeah. And then, you know, and make the most of it when you're home um, for yeah. sure. But no, there is a huge kind of sacrifice uh, right. uh, to, to the job. And, you know, is it worth it? I mean, I don't know. My, my you know, my, my, my family life is, is stable, but right. I know a lot of people who, who don't have that. And so, you yeah. know, you wonder in the end, you know, was it all worth it sometimes? That's a, I think that's a natural question to ask. Oh yeah, for sure. Was there ever a mission you were told to do that either didn't make sense to you or you thought would be the wrong course of action? And, um, as someone who has to follow orders, I'm sure it kind of puts you in a difficult position sometimes if maybe you thought something else should be done instead. Well, you know, the, the best bosses that you have. So, you know, so when you run an operation, there's always different kind of different variables and different you know, ways you can you can approach it. And so if right. you have a good boss, as you're mm-hmm. kind of discussing the, the way to approach something, there'll be, you know, the, the, they he or she will will take input. But right. sometimes a decision is made. And as long as it's, it's, it's not immoral or illegal. Exactly. You, know, you go a certain way, even if you're you're not thrilled with that. Right. Um, you know the, the the problem comes every once in a while, and it's rare. But when something is you know is is off a little bit, maybe there's some some you know you know legal questions. Yeah. And that happened once in my career where I where I refused to do something I questioned. Okay. Um, the boss and I went to kind of someone higher up, and they agreed with me, and we didn't do it. But right. Um, you know, that's that's kind of rare. But look, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I got I got told to do stupid stuff all the time. <laughs> I mean, there's there's degrees of stupid. You know. I mean, so if I ever thought it would get someone hurt, of course not. But yeah. someone would say, hey, we want to go this way. I was like, that's probably not going to work, but we'll give it a shot. That's okay. I mean, you know, again, if, as long as, you know, the, the joke at the CIA is, okay, this, you know, no one got killed. We didn't lose any money. Yeah. So if, it, if, it, if an operation went, you know, uh, awry, you know, there's, there's degrees of bad. That's not so bad. Yeah. And I remember in the book you were talking about, um, I guess, one of your supervisors who I think in the book you called him Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's was, his true name. Yeah, it was his true name. He passed away, but yeah. Yeah, and you were like, you know, did anybody die? I think yeah. it was like, did anybody cost cost any money? And did it yeah. was it an embarrassment to the yeah, United, States. United States? That's right. That's the third one. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's hey. I guess if it, you know, well, things are relative because you know that you know the the, the, the ultimate you know uh, uh, you know uh, or, or the worst case scenario is someone gets hurt or someone yeah. dies and so that's incredibly serious and so yeah. you know i mean yeah. you know there's there's times where things can go wrong and it's not it's not terrible and the other thing is you learn from it too i mean exactly. one of the things that that you know we were we were fairly good at um was you know after after operations you kind of do an after action review and, and and even when they're successful you kind of go over what happened and see if you can you know what you could do better on right um, it's good to always question yourself so the, the, you know the special operations community in the military is very good at that even wildly successful ops they'll kind of uh, do it in, in AR afterwards. Um, right. That's just a smart thing to do. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of make sure uh, you know everything was done properly. And if, if, if even if, it, yeah. exactly, yep, exactly. You were on many missions overseas um, in countries where, to be honest, the average citizen probably wouldn't survive. Um, and I'm sure your skills and training kept you going. But was there ever a time 
you were in a situation where you didn't think you'd make it home. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, one in particular where, where we were uh, in, in Baghdad, where we were going after a, a high value target. And um, I was with the uh, Naval Special Warfare uh, a unit and we were approaching, it was at night, we had you know night vision goggles on, we're approaching a target and we could see um, some some kind of paramilitaries, uh, for the uh, Iraqi paramilitaries coming on with RPGs and and we just stopped and they stopped. They couldn't see us, but they heard us. They had RPGs aimed at us. And I remember thinking to myself, this is bad. And we just slowly then crept, uh, you know, went in reverse backwards. But I thought there was a couple moments there like we're screwed. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was pretty scary. I was like, you know, and, and actually one, one of the SEALs looked at me and kind of whispered, hey, we're, we're effed. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. If you're worried, I'm definitely worried. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, how many countries did you do missions in? And was there one country that you were genuinely worried for not only your safety, but your men's safety? I mean, it's, I, I, I was, did, you know, uh, you know, I ran operations on all sorts of continents, you know, was obviously wow. in the Middle East, right. um, uh, Asia, you know, Europe, um, uh, Latin America, Africa. Yeah. I think that, you know, you know, obviously war, you know, the war zones of Iraq and Afghanistan were the most dangerous. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just for so many different reasons. But, right. you know, even, you know, when I was in, I mean, in, in Afghanistan, where I ran that paramilitary base along the border, we got rocketed by Al Qaeda in the, in the Taliban every morning for a year. So just, that's just, in, that's just, you know, indiscriminate rocket fire, 107 millimeter rockets, um, right. which suck. And yeah. it's just, you know, if you, if, you know, if you, if you're, if your number's up that day, your number's up. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's like kind of random death raining down from above. And so, right. you know, right. but you, you know, you see, you'd run, but you'd run along the HESCO barrier, you know, that, you know, we had, we, there was a little air raid siren and, you know, you, you take cover when yeah. it comes and just there, there, there was, a, there was one blast, which I got kind of, you know, shrapnel um, yeah. kind of all over me after that. Um, right. And my, you know, my ear was ringing. I couldn't hear for several hours and I was like, eh, that was, was kind of close. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of crappy, but. Right. Uh, but, yeah. you know, but, but war zones are just inherently dangerous. There's landmines, you know, there's, there's just, there's so much things that could go wrong. And, you know, when you, when you're, you go off on a deployment like that, you know, for the, the agency, you know, the, really the number one thing in my mind, you know, I, we had a set mission, the HVT mission, but I just want to make sure everyone got home alive. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was my most important, you know, my, my primary concern. And I think that speaks to your character, um, also your leadership abilities. You, you really care about your men more than your own safety. Well, you have, well, and you got, I mean, that's the, the you know, the, the selfless leadership is that you care about the people, you know, under you, um, you know, more than yourself. Right. Um, that's just, but not everyone does that, but that's, you know, that is, that is what just, you know, that's, that's what you absolutely have to do. And I, you know, I kind of talk about that and write about that all the time. Yeah. Which is huge. You talk a lot about, uh, or you talk about a time you were betrayed in Afghanistan by, I believe it was an elder. When, when did you know you were being betrayed and, being betrayed by an elder or a person in another country, um, I'm sure that was terrifying. Is that something that happens often? Well, yeah, people lie to you all the time. This yeah. one was was a, you know a situation. I think you're referring to. It was a time where I was co-located with the special forces team. Um, that was a that was when I, my first when I first went to Afghanistan, and we went to a, a village in uh, in, in Helmand province. Yeah. Um, you know, north of Connor, and no one had been there for for you know. I mean, there no Americans had been there. Yeah. So it was, it was just alien. It was bizarre. There's, you know, miles of poppy fields. It was wild. Right then you realize there's Afghanistan is, will never, you know, it's a drug culture. There's no way to get out of it. That's their, that's their cash crop. Yeah. And we were trying to, trying to buy back a Taliban member, frankly, oh. from the village. And when one of our interpreters said, Hey, these guys actually, this, they're, you know, they've, they've betrayed you. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, it's, I, I mean, it's not personal. 
Right. Right. Um, uh, but, but ultimately, you know, you're trying to figure out how to get yourself out of that, out of that situation. But, you know, the espionage business is people lie all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, and so, you know, you never take anyone for their word there, you know, you, you, you know, you vet them, you know, there's, there's other sources of, you compare it to other sources of information you're getting or, um, yeah. uh, but you have, you know, you have to have that antenna up all the time because, you know, uh, uh, the bottom line is that, you know, people, you know, uh, uh, people certainly lie and that's just part of the business. Right. Exactly. Um, in your book, and this is the book I was referring to, Clarity in Crisis Leadership Lessons from the CIA. Um, let me just first off by saying this is a phenomenal read. Okay. I, I'm not a huge fan of reading, quite frankly. Um, to sit down and read a book uh, is not something that I enjoy doing. But this was a book um, that I haven't been able to put down. Um, phenomenal. Right. The, even through the introduction, um, hearing just reading some of the stories that you were speaking about was, was just incredible. Um, and then to go through each leadership lesson that you had talked about was phenomenal. Um, and we'll link, uh, put a link to oh, where, the, sure. where people can get the book in the YouTube channel. I read a review on Amazon too. I love seeing okay. those reviews. I read all those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Listen, he's in the CIA. Oh, really good. Yeah, I was going to say, he's in the CIA. You better write something nice. Um, <laughs> but you talk about the time where I think you were on base and there was a 10-year-old who was injured. Yeah. Uh, um, can you just tell us what happened and how that moment you said was actually one of your proudest moments in the CIA? Yeah, so, so you know, in, 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 in that chapter, I talked about a leadership principle. I think it was, uh, that, that was where I, I talked about the, the glue guy. Yeah. There's always indispensable members of your team, and, and most often you don't really realize who they are. So, you know, they're not going to be the door kickers. You know, it's not the SWAT unit. Exactly. Um, people, you know, behind it, maybe it's the admin folks, support folks, yeah. IT folks. Right. But in this case, it was our medic, our doc. And so a young Afghan boy stepped on a landmine outside our base and blew his leg off, and he was bleeding out. Um, that has nothing to do whatsoever with my mission there. Right. Um, I'm not even there to do hearts and minds stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we did know the, know the base ran out and our medic um, uh, assisted another one of my case officers was actually had in the past, he'd been a, an ER nurse in Baltimore. So, so wow. he, had, he had, he had medical training and, and they saved this young boy's life. And then we called in a helicopter and it was kind of unusual for an Afghan civilian, but we, you know, we called in the nine line and they, they came and they got this, 